Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Moving on now as State Senator Nate Libby joins us. He's also on the Lewiston City Council. There's really not, he can grow a good beard. He kind of looks like uh Yukon Cornelius today, you're really doing it, <laughs> you know, in the Christmas spirits. Now, I, I've seen these things. There's, I've seen it twice on my timeline. I've seen the glitter beards, where beards are actually uh, full of glitter. And then there's also, um, like, Christmas balls, um, like the baubles thing, where there's actually a, any plans for that this holiday season? Are you just going to keep it, you know? Well, I was thinking about joining Governor LePage in Jamaica this winter and getting, <laughs> getting my beard braided. Well, you guys are buddies, so, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, you could do that, too. You could, you know, when I had it, like, when I had that long, I was thinking about braiding it, but I just thought it would look ridiculous, so I decided against it, so good to see Nate, as always. Now, tomorrow's runoff election day for Lewiston Mayor. Uh, it's been a pretty hotly contested race. There's a lot of money that's been involved with this race, as well. Uh, how do you think this this is going to go? Early returns look like uh, Ben Chin is doing well on the, uh, on the, uh, ballot the uh absentee absentee thank you the yeah. absentee balloting yeah this one's a tough one uh to call at least you know most of the folks i'm talking to uh don't really have a sense which way it's going to go um you mentioned the absentee ballot counts and lewis and city clerk reported that uh there were about 2,000 registered democrats who requested absentee ballots versus 500 republicans and then 500 independents so clearly if you just go by party registration i think Ben Chin definitely has the advantage going into tomorrow. Um, but that being said, I think, you know, the last several elections, we've seen folks like Governor LePage win Lewiston. Uh, obviously, incumbent Republican Mayor Bob McDonald has won two elections. You kind of uh, get a sense that maybe not all Democrats are voting for the Democrat in some of these races. Um, you mentioned the money as well. Uh, ben Chin has done a pretty phenomenal job of raising a ton of cash for this campaign. I think he's up to about 90000 um, raised for this election. And you compare that with uh, Mayor McDonald, I think he's raised something like 5000 So Ben definitely has the uh, money advantage as well. Um, so it's really a, a tough call. You know, the, the mayor has um, been elected twice. I think he's got a core group of supporters out there. Um, you know, a lot of people will be watching tomorrow's race to see how it shakes out. Let's move on to the stateside stuff now. Uh, the state's government oversight committee has been pretty busy. They've been conducting the investigation into the Governor Page, Mark Eves, Goodwill, Hinckley thing. Uh, latest on that. So government oversight met last week um, for a number of different issues. The uh, controversy around LePage and Eves was one of them. Um, this committee has been charged with doing an investigation to figure out what all went on with the um, firing of Mark Eves at his new position at Goodwill Hinckley and the alleged threat from the governor uh, to withhold about a half a million dollars in state funds if uh, Goodwill Hinckley didn't fire Mark Eves. Um, so what they've been looking into is um, basically all of the different individuals involved with this uh, issue, folks at Goodwill Hinckley, folks within the LePage administration, and what they're finding is that while the governor basically came out a long time ago and said, yes, he 
you know, did threaten these funds if they didn't fire Mark Eves. Um, some of his staff are now sort of uh, coming up with a different story. And so um, basically there's fairly clear, um, a clear timeline from the folks at Goodwill um, talking about the communications with the administration and that threat over funding. Um, the governor himself confirms that that threat happened, but then two of his staffers have come up with a more nuanced version of, of all that happened. So um, government oversight is going to take a little bit more time to finalize their report, and then from there, my understanding is that there are a couple of members of the House of Representatives who uh, are going to take that report and go to the House floor um, with articles of impeachment. And um, those two members are Representative Jeff Evangelos. He's from the town of Friendship down in Knox County. And Representative Ben Shipman, who's from Portland. These are the two reps that have been sort of leading the charge. So I think uh, over the next couple of months, probably January, February, you're going to see a little bit more action on this uh, as it goes to the House for deliberation. Talk with State Senator Nate Libby about all things politics, because that's what we do. We'll have more with Nate coming up. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on Z1055. It is 712 and 27 degrees. The news continues now on the area's only local radio station. LA's only local radio station. State Senator Nate Libby continues with us now. The GOC, and I'm going to assume that stands for Government Oversight Committee? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, good. <laughs> I just want to make sure I had all my stuff down this morning. Has also been looking into Riverview Psychiatric Hospital in Augusta. That's the state facility that's uh, replace, replacing uh, the former AMHI. Uh, what's, uh, what's going on with that at this point? So um, Riverview has been a, a difficult issue for several years now. Um, they recently lost their federal certification to operate as the state's psychiatric hospital. And uh, the reason they did so is because um, the federal government found a number of deficiencies at the facility. Uh, the biggest one appears to be uh, chronic understaffing of that hospital. Um, the patients that go there you know, those are the folks that are suffering from sort of the highest levels of mental illness. And um, so for many years, the uh, facility has had a difficult time keeping their staff levels at, at a safe level where patients can get the attention and care and protection that they need. So the federal government is taking the state to task for um, this chronic understaffed facility and withholding um, about $20 million in federal dollars that go to support um, that facility. Another issue they found is that <clears throat> the administration, the LePage administration, has been using part-time practitioners um, to fill in some of those gaps. And, and uh, we sort of talked about this before with the vet center in, in Lewis and Auburn. When you have folks with uh, mental health issues, um, but you don't have sort of regular full-time staff to be able to develop relationships with those patients, it's really difficult for these folks to build trust and to get themselves into a better place. Um, so uh, basically this has been a tug of war between the legislature and the administration on how we fix Riverview, how we re-certify um, the facility with the federal government, how we get those staffing levels up. The legislature appropriated um, money to hire an additional 50 or so uh, positions at Riverview, but to my knowledge those positions haven't been filled. The money's sitting there and the administration isn't, isn't moving on it. So. This will continue to be an issue, um, and again, there's this tug of war where the administration, I think, wants to go in a different direction where they build a whole new facility that separates the very violent 
um, sort of folks that are that are suffering um, mental health issues and isolate the rest of the patients. That's really expensive, um, and so any solution is going to cost money. And at this point, we haven't figured out the the right solution. Sounds like it. Um, speaking of solutions, let's. I'm going to jump over one, and we'll talk about that because I want that to have its own segment. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, drug addiction in the state's response. You know, we've talked about this before. There's been a lot of summits recently. <clears throat> the governor wants more DEA agents, or he's going to call in the national guard. Others want more counseling. What's going on here, and and how is this all going to shake out? Right. So the governor wants um, more DEA agents. Um, the legislature gave him funding for an additional four agents um, that was effective back in July of this year. And so he has the money to hire those four agents, but he he hasn't hired them yet, and you know sort of keeps pointing to the crisis that we have on DEA funding. So he wants an additional 12. Um, and I think the legislature was saying, we'll start with start with four and see how we do. Um, he's being a little bit more uh, bombastic about this and has said that if we don't do what he wants, he's going to bring in the National Guard to um, act as DEA agents out in the field. Um, I think a lot of us are scratching our heads saying, you know, there's got to be a way um, to make this work where you don't have to call up um, state militia. Um, so... You know, that's one issue that I think he wants to have addressed, uh, you know, yesterday. Um, There are some other, I think, innovative approaches to trying to work on this from the law enforcement side that um, are being developed. Portland Police Department, as an example, has kind of come up with a, I think, a good solution um, to one aspect of this, which is to create a, an addiction liaison person at the Portland Police Department where Folks who are suffering addiction, um, who are you know are in the grips of addiction and um, need to get some help, can go to a person within the police department who's not going to put the handcuffs on them right away, but who's going to help them find the the treatment and the resources that they need once they're ready to make that decision to get off um, drugs. So I think that's a really good approach that Portland has come up with. Um, and what I particularly like about this is they. They didn't go ask for federal money. They didn't go ask for state money for this position. They're funding this position with drug forfeiture funds. So um, it really makes a lot of sense, and I think that's um, that's something that's being done locally uh, in spite of the state's sort of inability to make much progress. Wouldn't it be easier just to start, I don't know, dealing with the fact that anytime anybody gets a surgery anymore or rips a toenail or anything we're just like here here's some vicodin and some percocet do you think maybe right. that would help with things maybe i don't know That's i'm not a doctor by any means right but what i hear from practitioners and from law enforcement is that just the problem that you identified for many many years uh, doctors were very liberal in writing prescriptions for these very hardcore painkillers um vicodin those kinds of things are on the lighter end but um uh well of course i'm forgetting the the oh oxycontin Oxycontin was a very popular painkiller that was being prescribed fairly regularly throughout Maine. Um, From the folks that I'm talking to, that uh, amount of prescription writing has really scaled back, which has had sort of a direct correlation to the big, big increase in heroin use. So with folks not being able to get their prescription opiates, they are turning to the black market opiates like heroin, and that's part of the reason why we're seeing a, a big spike in the use of heroin. There's got to be other alternatives. 
I mean, there's a few that probably aren't, but I mean, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like there's any outside of the box. Um, it just seems like it's one side wants more counseling and, and other things, right. and then the other side wants to bring in the National Guard. And I feel like neither one is completely the answer here. Right. I mean, I, I feel like the National Guard would do absolutely no good on this. I think that would be one of the biggest wastes of money in state history. Right. You know, I, I do know with a certain segment of the population who don't have health insurance whatsoever, getting treatment for addiction is almost totally impossible because there are big costs associated with, with treatment. And again, addiction at the individual level, individuals need to decide it's time to stop. I don't know that the state can go out and say, you know, to a group of heroin addicts, all right, you're going to stop now and have that be successful. I think there's, it's a really multi-layered problem that, you know, I think the state can help solve. I think local governments can help solve. I think providers can help solve, but ultimately individuals um, have to make this decision. Talking with State Senator Nate Libby. Coming up, we'll talk about a little gun control. That ought to be fun. And uh, we will have some good news, which is nice. We'll have some talk from the uh, National Bureau of Labor data. So we'll have more coming up. At 727, it's 27 degrees on The Breakfast Club Z1055. This is your sports flash for Pearl Harbor Day, December 7th. Let's hold each other, Z1055. LA's only local radio station. Continuing now with State Senator Nate Libby. He's already looked up the beard baubles online. I think he's going to come in with those next time. I think he's <laughs> jingle bell beards. It'll be great good. gift idea. It, I think it is. I think it's a good stocking stuffer at this point. I'm not even a paid uh, paid uh, sponsor for them, which is good. So, well, obviously in the last week there's been a lot of talk about mass shootings after uh, last week's San Bernardino terrorist uh, issue. Every week it seems like there's another one. This one's getting lumped in with a bunch of other ones. The left is is demanding one thing. The right's demanding other things or demanding not having anything happen. What What's your take on this? Um, you know, I think um, folks are finally starting to realize that gun violence in the United States is a little bit, um, well, quite a bit more severe than you find in other countries when – when you look back at the last year, I think the figure was we've had one major um, shooting event for every day in the year, um, which is pretty remarkable. So there's a lot of sort of knee-jerk reaction from the left and the right. Um, you know, the right, particularly those really passionate gun advocates, um, I think like to say that, well, you know, if the victims had armed themselves, we wouldn't have had a tragedy. So their answer to, you know, these kinds of shootings is more guns. Like, people just need to have more guns. Teachers need to have guns. We need to get rid of the gun-free zones. Um, you know, more guns makes us more safe. And I think folks on the left are, um, you know, trying to figure out a way to push through some kind of um, gun control legislation because for many, many years, any attempts at um, trying to create a little bit more restriction, a little bit more in the way of background check. Um, all of those efforts have failed because of you know the very powerful National Rifle Association, their influence on Congress. Um, you know I think President Obama, you know, has made a pretty good point in that um, currently you know we have the no-fly list, folks that are not allowed to fly on planes, um, but those folks are still able to buy assault rifles. Um, that seems to be a pretty glaring loophole in, in the law that most reasonable gun owners would say, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're not on the no-fly list, if you are on the no-fly list, you know, you should not be allowed to buy a gun. 
you know, I think there's another issue that's out there, which is a, a fairly large loophole in background checks when it comes to private sales of guns. So, you know, I'm not going to be one suggesting that we need to do mass confiscation of folks' uh, weapons, but I am saying that there probably is some areas where we can make tweaks. And I'll also say that those tweaks are not going to solve this gun violence crisis. Um, and I think a lot of folks would agree uh, on that point. Well, and, and I'd agree that, that this stuff needs to stop. And, you know, you, you made a good point on, and I would, I would go back to last segment, where at some point some of this stuff becomes a choice. And I, I think we get so hyped up as soon as we see shooting that we get so fired up about this stuff. And then, you know, when you look at the no-fly list, for example, even the ACLU, which if you go to ACLU.org, they'll tell you the no-fly list is not put together right because it's a mess and there's no way to get off of it. In fact, it actually is is breaking out. There, there's four lawsuits right now, one in Oregon, one in South California, Southern California, one in Northern California, one in New Mexico that are challenging the process of the no-fly list in court. So if we can't get a no-fly list together, people are putting in visas with fake addresses that we're not checking. How can law-abiding Americans feel confident that their rights aren't going to get to own a gun, are going to get taken away because they happen to share the name with somebody that's on a no-fly list, and you don't really have a way to get off the no-fly list, according to the ACLU, which is why they're suing. Sure. Um, I, I haven't read the article you're referring to, um, you know, and one would think that when there comes to an error like that with a no-fly list, there would be an appeal process, obviously. But um, I think the point is that there are dangerous people in this world, uh, particularly in this country, um, who can easily get a weapon. And almost every gun owner that I know says that, uh, yeah, we should have universal background checks without exception. I mean, that's a pretty fundamental thing that I think most reasonable people would agree with. And today, in this country, we do not have universal background checks. I would agree on on the background check stuff itself. For example, I, I'm a big proponent of closing the gun show loophole. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's that's one thing that was there. But the other issue that it comes down to is a lot of the stuff that is being suggested right now, the stuff that is suggested after every single mass shooting, they end up coming back and saying, "Well, it wouldn't have changed this one, but it might change another one." So <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't understand why that's the why that's the leading thing. We were just attacked by people that got radicalized online. Isn't that what we should be focusing on here? Absolutely. But I will also say that in the past 20 years at the federal level, we have seen no substantial change in our gun laws despite decades of, of severe gun violence. I mean, it is incredibly easy for a dangerous person in the United States to get a weapon. It is much harder in the rest of the industrialized world for these dangerous folks to get weapons. America is unique in that way. Our gun rights are spelled out in the Constitution. I will give you that. But the Constitution doesn't say you have unrestricted rights without question. Um, that's just not, I mean, that's just not practicable. And I think folks who are frustrated with the amount of gun violence are also frustrated with the lack of progress on this issue at the federal level. The NRA, which I think is a fringe group, they represent a fringe of maybe 10% of the right of this country who are super passionate about gun rights, are absolutely dominating the federal conversation on any change in this issue. My question is, once these other legis eventually something is going to get done in terms of whether it's closing those loopholes or not. Once that happens, and then there's another mass shooting, because we know what's going to happen, what then? 
What's the next step? I mean, are, is everybody so yeah. frustrated at that point? They're like, oh, I mean, what what is the next step at that point? Because I'd like to live in a world of, of unicorns and rainbows as well, but unfortunately we don't. I think realistic people would say, if we can see a reduction in the amount of gun violence in this country, that is a victory. I don't think we'll ever get to the point where there is never a mass terrorist att- uh, shooting like we just saw. There are always going to be folks who can be indoctrinated by these radical elements in our society But figuring out a way to protect the rights of law-abiding gun owners while at the same time tightening up our our gun control laws to prevent these very – make it more difficult for these very dangerous people to get weapons, I think, is – that's the measure of success. Talking with State Senator Nate Libby. Coming up, we'll talk about Everytown USA, the Michael uh, Bloomberg group who's pushing gun control. They're pushing a gun control referendum here in Maine. And we'll see what the story is on that. Also talk about some stats from the National Bureau of Labor. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on Z1055. The Breakfast Club! The news continues now. LA's only local radio station. Hanging out with State Senator Nate Libby. Final segment with him. So, uh, following up on the, the gun control stuff, uh, Everytown USA is pushing gun control referendum here in Maine. That's the Michael Bloomberg-led group. They spend a lot of money on advertising for different things around the country. What, what's the story here? What's this? And is it going to be on the ballot in, uh, in 2016? My understanding is they're working to get it on the ballot for 2016. And basically, this is a national um, gun control group that has identified Maine as a place where they want to try to make uh, an advancement in public policy. So the issue that they're targeting, and we'd mentioned this in the earlier segment, is um, certain loopholes in our background check law. So right now, there are private sales of um, guns that do not require any background checks under state law. The proposal from Everytown USA um, basically would require all private sales between two private parties who are not licensed gun dealers are required to go make that sale at a licensed gun dealer, where under the law, both parties would have to submit to background checks um, in the presence of a licensed gun dealer who can do the background check in real time. And, um, and, and under those circumstances, a sale could happen. I think that's a fairly, um, I, I think, innovative way to approach one of those loopholes that exists. Um, the law allows these licensed dealers to charge a fee for their time, which I think is practicable. Um, so that's what the, uh, that's what the Everytown USA initiative is about. Um, I think when it comes to the polling on this, I think most Mainers, and again, Maine has is, is long um, been a, a pro-gun state, most Mainers are going to find this type of uh, gun control legislation reasonable. Um, I happen to agree with them on this. And so that'll be up, uh, we expect, for the November 2016 uh, election. Now let's, let's go on to some good news. Yay, National Bureau of Labor data came out showing some improvement in the economy and consumer spending. Let's talk about that. Yeah, um, it's a little bit of good news. Um, this is data that came out nationally and uh, looks at the change from year 2013 to 2014. And one of the key measures of our uh, economic, um, of the strength of the economy is uh, consumer household spending. So this survey came out and showed that from 2013 to 2014, Mainers spent about 3.5% more on household items. Um, so that's a, that's a good thing. We've had many, many years of decline in that part of the economy. Um, so that's a, that's a positive change. Household uh, spending are things like groceries, gas, heating oil, uh, clothes, travel, that sort of thing. Um, 
Now, the downside to that piece of information is that nationally there was uh, actually a higher increase in, in household spending. It was about 4.2% nationally. So uh, when you look at the 50 states, Maine's increase in consumer spending was about mid-pack. Um, some say that's you know Maine's um, frugal sort of nature. Mainers are, are long known to be frugal folks. Um, others are pointing to the fact we've got a higher median age than some of these other states. And, and when you um, have an older household, there tends to be less of that consumer spending. Another little interesting piece of info there uh, they took a look at what we spend on groceries as Mainers compared with the rest of the country. Um, Mainers, on a per-person basis, in 2014, spent about 3700 uh, annually on groceries. Uh, and you compare that with a national number, it's about 2800 So about $1,000 more Mainers are spending on groceries. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're farther away from um, so-called farm belts. Uh, you know, food has to travel farther to get to us. Uh, states like Alaska uh, and Maine and Vermont were higher on the on the grocery spending. State Senator Nate Libby, we've officially run out of time. Well, Maddie, good <laughs> talk as always. Good talk as always. I'll see you soon. All right. I'm, I'm looking forward to Beard Watch 2016. That'll be good. <laughs> 759, 27 degrees. Rick and Tyler Gammon next hour. It's the Breakfast Club on Z1055. The Breakfast Club. Get a free ton of pellets when you purchase a Harmon pellet stove from the Fireside Stove Shop in Auburn. In Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.